Welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. I have Eric Steven with me. We're here to talk Dodgers. We're not here to talk Astros for once this offseason. We're here to talk about new Dodgers. And is Chuck Peterson a new Dodger? It sort of feels like it. The, Do- he, the Dodgers he, traded for Chuck Peterson. He's a current old friend. <laughs> yeah. I, how the hell I, yeah. I don't know if you remember this because uh, it was at the very, very tail end of the last podcast, which was uh-huh. almost entirely about the Mookie Betts trade. I, um, I Somebody, Rosenfall probably had tweeted like, hey, it was Alex Spear. Uh, said, "Hey, there's some medical stuff going on," and I like happens to like jokingly went, "Ha ha ha ha!" That they, they always say that, and it gets through in like a day. Uh, yep. It took longer than a day. Nope it it totally did, and we'll we'll get into why. Uh, but yeah, but ever, since we recorded last, uh, everything is now official. Uh, well, <laughs> sort of <laughs> a, 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 quite a bit different than yeah. The, uh, <laughs> I mean, the, but like the main pieces are in place, so like. <laughs> uh, and we'll get we'll get into that, but yeah, Mookie Betts, David Price, our Dodgers, as are a couple other people. Yeah, and we're excited to talk about them. Talk about some sort of miscellaneous news. We've got questions from Craig. We have a Dodgers rewind. All of that, and probably some more after this. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing the Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So a lot to cover. You and I want to go really in depth into a lot of this stuff. One thing we don't want to go in depth about is the Astros 
nonstop. I'm tired of it at this point. I know you're tired of this point. It's I understand why it's a compelling storyline and it's going to it's the well that's going to keep being gone into. But for this sake of this podcast, I'm ready to move on. Absolutely. Just as a quick refresher. Well, I, I think the Astros cheated. Uh, next, yeah. <laughs> next, next topic. Yeah. yeah. So uh, later in the spring, like as we get closer to season, I think if more stuff happens, I think it's worthy to like delve into like, cause we're actually going to see some real, real season consequences and stuff. But let me, let's just give you the, the quick like minute long overview. Cause it does relate to the Dodgers in some way. Well, part of it, why it's sort of being stoked now is the, the last week or so has been um, the first week of spring training for every team. So like it's the first time um, reporter scrums like officially um, getting in, a lot, in front of a lot of these players faces. You had the Astros um, deliver a formal apology. That was one of the weakest PR displays I've ever seen. You had a commissioner give his um, Florida uh, media day where like sort of, uh, like laid bare some of his incompetence in the whole situation. He's also talking in Arizona tomorrow, so it's going to be more of that. But just bottom line, where the Dodgers are concerned, you basically what makes this bigger for me is that players are calling out other players, mm-hmm. and like and so for the that's Dodgers, like, that's a fraternity that doesn't get like no, even no. if they disagree with say yeah. a known steroid user, like you keep quiet, no comment, move on, and not the case here. Yeah, Cody Bellinger the other day said. Um, that Jose Atube stole uh, the MVP from Aaron Judge in 2017. Carlos Correa on the Astros is like kind of the one guy who it took a while, but he kind of actually started having actual reactions to things where and he and he admitted to trash can banging uh, himself and, and several other players. But like what he did stick up for Altuve, and he basically he did, literally told Bellinger to fuck himself in an interview. Um, and and I then it was shut the. Oh right. yeah, shut shut the fuck up was his excuse, his excuse me. So you're gonna have a lot of that, and then what, what was interesting too, Bell, Bellinger and Altuve have the same agent, so like you know this is like important. <laughs> this is like strange when like it's getting to this level. The other thing is, um, <clears throat> it seems like a lot of the players are angry. Mike Trout, of all people, talked about it today. Even so, the Astros weren't punished enough. Uh, Rob Manfred tried to defend it. He said the worst part on Sunday, basically, well, he was he was saying the players had immunity because we needed them to investigate. But then, like, man, it, it just was pretty weak. But the weakest part was when asked about whether he would um, vacate the Astros championship, he said, it, you know, I forgot exactly his exact term, but he, he like, was like, it's just uh, no use in, like, uh, taking away a piece of metal is how he referred to the commissioner's trophy, <laughs> which is... Uh, what you get if you win and so like a lot of people jumped on that because it's like what do you do you even like baseball you know basically is like the reaction and so I'll just read part of Justin Turner's quote Uh, this was today Uh, the only thing devaluing it right now is the fact that it says commissioner on it it's just unbelievable is he that out of touch with our game that those are his comments and he went even deeper into this stuff but like I said we don't want to delve too much in it because there's a lot of actual Dodger stuff to talk about but that's sort of the tone we're at right now so like yeah, uh, if it gets worse, and it probably will, like by the time the regular season starts, we'll have more to talk about and maybe more concrete stuff. We're still actually waiting on the Red Sox um, decision in terms of any punishment they might get. And at the very least, we'll get a, um official suspension of Alex Cora out of that. So, like, there'll be more news. There's 
there seems to be new reporting on old stuff about the Astros and uh, every single day. So like, there's going to be more stuff in the next like four weeks. So that's kind of why we don't want to delve into it now. But that's basically where we're at. All right, let's talk about the thing that actually did change and does directly affect how this season's going to play out. The trade finally took place, finally got finalized. How long did this take? Okay, it, it felt way longer than it was. I know that much. It, it, oh, it totally did. Like, and plus, here's the thing about the off season, right? Like, especially uh, before spring training actually starts, is that that's all you have is that new that type of news. So, like, when a big when a big trade happens or a big signing. That's like energetic, right? You, the news, there's a buzz about it, especially if you're like fans of that team. But even around base, like everyone had a reaction to the the Mookie Betts trade. And and then it was like, okay, we're just waiting on, well, like you mentioned, we're waiting on Bruce Dark Greater Alls Medicals. Um, and then it didn't happen for a little bit. And then there was word that, oh, this deal might uh, go sideways. Well, it was medicals at first, and I just assumed it was Alex Verdugo. Oh right. Well, and, and we'll get. I'll get to him in a second. But okay. So just to give you an idea, so the 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 Dodgers, Twins, and Red Sox agreed to a three team deal on February fourth. Uh, that was um, essentially um, it was Alex Verdugo uh, to the Red Sox, Kenta Maeda, and to the Twins, Bruce Dark Greater from the Twins to the Red Sox, and the Dodgers get. Um, bets and price and the Red Sox paying half of Price's salary and the Red Sox issue with greater all's medical is not that like he's injured now I think that's where a lot of the people got like uh, confused about this because uh, but it's more like they they get to look at like all the medical records basically and their thought was like a lot of the stuff being leaked out was like well we don't think he's going to be a starter he's going to be more of a reliever um, so we don't really want him in that role, but it's like, it seems like everyone from the twin side is like, Hey, this dude's a reliever pretty clearly. Like you, you could like Google Bruce, our greater all. And it's like about him being a reliever. He, he throws hard, like triple digits and stuff. So, but anyway, that, uh, that backed out. They, um, they had to do a rework deal, but anyway, just to, just to give you an idea. So this got, um, finalized on February 10th. So that's six days. Felt like a month. It did feel like a long time. But then I looked back. So th- I, I tweeted something out as these rumors were coming out because you remember you had um, uh, there was the bets and price coming to the Dodgers. Then it was like, hey, this is a three team deal. And then before, like, you knew the twins were involved, it was like, oh, by the way, the Dodgers are trading Jack Peterson and Ross Stripling to the Angels. And then the twin stuff came in. And I, I, I think I tweeted something like 2000. Uh, 14 winter meetings energy. That was the first time, uh, first winter meetings for Friedman and uh, Farhan Zaidi with the Dodgers. So you look back on that um, in, in that deal, the big trade was Matt Kemp to the Padres for Yasmani Grandal. There's, there's more to it. That deal was agreed to on December 11th, the night, like early in the morning. So like uh, probably like one or 2 AM. I, I remember I was sleeping because that was the last day of the winter meetings, and I woke up to, like, the official deal the next morning. Or, I'm sorry, the agreed-to part next morning. The, the night before, the Dodgers um, uh, also agreed to get Jimmy Rollins from the Phillies. But um, – and then neither of those got finalized till December 19th, so that actually took longer. And the issue in that was Matt Kemp's arthritic hips, and the Padres wanted to get more money, and it ended up they just – it just went through as planned. 
Uh, so it kind of happens um, like that. But so that was actually longer, even though this one did seem longer. Uh, but what happened was, um, okay, the, Do- the the Dodgers, like the Twins wanted Kenta Maeda. They, they need rotation help. And Maeda was going to give it to him. And the Dodgers were like, look, we, we'll, we've seen the medicals. We're cool. So what it, be- it became two different two-team trades. Um, Dodgers still got bets in price. They still gave Verdugo to the Red Sox. But they also gave up Jeter Downs and Connor Wong. Um, so that it resembled more of a normal deal in that respect. Cause like w- b- before we were sitting there going like, they're just giving up like two major leaguers, like to get the, yeah, there's no, no you prospect and I were talking about, like the, the Boston twins part we were big fans of. And this, the angels thing just didn't make sense. Luckily, Artie Marino fan of the Dodgers fan of yeah. fan of the podcast. He heard, he heard our cry, got the deal next. Yeah. So the weird, so all, all this is like, there's so much stuff going on. Like, so the Dodgers ended up taking greater all, directly from the twins for Maeda. The Dodgers are sending at least 3 million up to 10 million, depending on Maeda's incentives for this year. Uh, and then the Dodgers also got uh, the number 67 pick. It, it was one of the few draft picks you could trade as the competitive balance round. It's basically like just after the second round. And then they got Luke Rayleigh, who was sent, who was a Dodger draftee sent to Minnesota in the Brian Dozier deal. Um, they got him back, and they gave up a minor league catcher as well. Um, so, like, that's that deal. And like you mentioned, um, now all of a sudden, uh, I, 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 I've read about this. Like, I can't figure out exactly why. I Artie Moreno spoke to reporters today. And, like, from what I could tell, the, the Angels nixed that deal on their end because of spite. <laughs> because they're like, hey, we, we're tired of waiting. Like, the Angels need all the pitching help they can get, not to mention, like, at, inserting Jock Peterson into that lineup makes it, like, way more dynamic, even though it's for a year. Um, So, like, but whatever happened, that deal fell through. So now you have, um, like, Jock Peterson uh, basically coming back to the Dodgers. He got, um, <laughs> like he got screwed in all this. Like, so like his um, arbitration hearing like happened. I think we talked about this last, last time it happened. Like in um, when he was figuring he was going to the angels, he got literal text messages from like Dodgers execs and teammates saying, Hey, good luck with the angels. So uh, I'll say like, and then like he, they wanted to just to postpone the arbitration case partially because he didn't know what team he was going to be on. It would affect the way he sort of his his people like argued his case. MLB said no. I was reading more about this about how Ken Rosenthal wrote about it, and like I guess part of the reason MLB said no because they thought um, they the 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 team or I guess the league in this case had a better chance to win Peterson's case because just based on whatever. So like they're now now we're going to go through with this, and then they they didn't agree to postpone it. So. Um, the one thing I'll say in interviews I've seen with Peterson since then, because everyone's reported now, um, he said like Friedman was communicative throughout, uh, this whole process. And like, that's, that's one thing I've got, I'll give credit. Like, uh, a lot of the things I've sort of seen with Andrew Friedman over the years is that he like, look, they make a ton of like moves, right? Like, 
and some you could be like they seem a little odd maybe at first or just like they, they make a large volume of moves but he he seems to be pretty straight up with guys like they, he doesn't dick people around basically um but so as this sort of thing came out um tony clark the mlb pa head this was when um uh we were still sort of waiting for resolution of the trade um, and, and then also Peterson's arbitration, uh, Tony Clark, his statement was the events of this last week have unfairly put several players in a state of limbo, which is correct. The unethical leaking of medical information, as well as the perversion of the salary arbitration process serve as continued reminders that too often players are treated as commodities by those running the game. So I think he was, he was right on in that. It's one of those, you got to sort of put your foot down at some point when, when you feel like you're getting dicked around. Um, but that said, <laughs> Jack Peterson's still a Dodger, and like it makes them even deeper and even better. Because um, we we looked at that, it seemed like more of a like staying under the luxury tax thing. But now um, it seems like the Dodgers are going to be like just content with being over it. But uh, also Ross Stripling, um, <laughs> he's back as well. Um, so we have I have a little bit of an audio clip. We're gonna um, uh, mix in here, but like same thing like. I think he would have got a better opportunity at least to pitch more innings with the Angels because he probably would have been more of a starter there. He's going to probably be a swingman still with the Dodgers, but it sounds like um, he's going to be like happy to return. You know, it's my first time going through anything like that. You know, I've been with the Dodgers for eight years, and, you know, you see stuff on Twitter in the past of like slight trade rumors or whatever, but never the first time where it's like, you know, Ross Stripling to the Angels confirmed kind of thing. You're like, okay, <laughs> haven't heard anything, but I guess it's confirmed, you know, and then, uh, and then just kind of five days of, of nothing, you know, and, and Andrew Friedman was keeping me up to date as best he could, but obviously, even I don't even know if he even knew what was necessarily going on on the Boston and Minnesota side of things, you know. So it was it was a whirlwind for me and my wife and my family and my friends that are calling asking what's going on. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, either way, I'm going to be in Arizona and Southern California, which is nice, versus, you know, like Kenton. And then they didn't know if they were going to Florida and then Minnesota and all that, you know, cross country. So uh, first time going through it, but at the end of the day, stoked to still be in Dodger Blue. And, uh, you know, obviously here to help the Dodgers win as I've done since I've been here and just keep it rolling. Thank you to editor Brian for inserting that. What if he doesn't? What if he what just if he, forgets? Hey, what if he goes rogue? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He pulls an Artie Moreno and says, screw it. <laughs> I, I still think he did it because he's a, a fan of the True Blue LA podcast. That's true. He, he, he and Farmer John, silent, silent <laughs> partners. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, he, he doesn't, he hasn't stated his partner in the uh, New Angels stadium deal, right? No, uh, so who knows? Uh, I, I know who it is. It's Farmer John. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Okay, so, so we have, uh, like, the reaction to this was, like, a, as you might expect, the, the waiting part, like the Jock Peterson, like, having to wait to an arbitration, but more like the, the reporting of the trade. Like, Justin Turner had, like, an interesting, like, tweet. I'm just going to read it. This is from um, his, his tweet. His, Here's a concept. Let trades happen and then report on them. All these reporters only care about being first. Meanwhile, players and their families are emotional wrecks, not knowing if they are or aren't being traded from the only org they've known. No one cares who was first. That I will agree with him mostly on that. Like if you look back on it, like I I never really care who's first. That said, there is currency in that from like the news organizations that employ essentially like the the main the main ones who are um, Ken Rosenthal, Jeff Passan. 
And then I would put like John Heyman and like Joel Sherman are like in that next tier, but like maybe not quite on that plane of those two. And then everyone else is like just fighting for scraps after that. So there's really only like a select group. Now, Turner sort of went on. He says, if there were no backlash from source tweets, that wouldn't have been an option for an excuse to pull out of a trade. Okay, that sort of seems incredibly naive because it, it, it like – it makes the the it seem like the reporter is the one doing this when it's really like teams and agents themselves like leaking it. So like that's on the teams, man. Like they did agree to a deal that I think that was very clearly like reported. And even the the reporting I saw from like especially like Passon and, and Rosenthal, they were all very clear to say pending medical review. That's normal. We see this all the time, and like it is messed up that greater all's medicals got out there because that's not fair to him um in terms of the leaking of that so i i think that's weird but like so i just want to go further into what turner said another quote here i don't think people including myself realize the impact that 280 characters can have on a person while it seems like just a harmless report on one end it can send the person or family on the other end into a tailspin again nobody cares who's first that said he has a point there but i think it seems like the reporting in this was responsible. It's just the leaking of some of the information um, was sensitive. So I get that. I don't know if there, I don't know how you go back to like this, like sort of utopia of like not hearing uh, sort of the Marge Simpson view of like, Hey, something interesting is going on over there. I'll read about it tomorrow in, in the paper, you know, like, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. So for me, it just like on Twitter, at least it just like, the lesson for me is like watch who you follow. Like make sure you are following like credible reporters and not not jumping at every little rumor um, from every corner of the internet. And I think that's sort of the way to go. But I think the reports were fine, and you just have to sort of deal with the the, um, the consequences of them. So we're gonna wrap that up. Any any last final thoughts before we uh, move on the salary arbitration? No, not really. I think so. Yeah. Bottom line. Dodgers now have Mookie Betts, David Price, and Brewster Greaterall. Um, and yeah, so yeah, I guess they're... my only kind of wrapping it up when I was talking to some friends and family about the trade when it was in that sort of the initial state. The first things that came out is what you and I talked about. Why is this Angels trade? Why are they doing this? Other than money, is it just money? That's kind of lame. Keeping those two players would make the team that much better. And then two, this is all really great, but boy, I really wish they would get like another great bullpen arm. That seems to be a big, you know, area of weakness if there is one. And hey, look what happened. Right. Exactly. It's like it just sort of fell into their laps uh, almost. So, yeah. Thank you, Artie. Arbitration week has passed. And this is this used to be kind of a home home sec- segment of uh, the offseason podcast because it would just report what uh, salary figure every player always one year agreed to. And now we've got some actual news, some some lawn contracts, some actual hearings. Yeah, so we talked about Jock Peterson. He lost his case. Uh, and we talked this before, about this before. The Dodgers had not went been to an arbitration hearing since 2007. So technically, Jock was that. Even though, like, weirdly, like, in his case, it was, like, um, like MLB attorneys rather than people from the Dodgers side, like, arguing against him. So, like, the Dodgers, was it was still technically a Dodger case, even though it sort of wasn't, which made it weird. But, like, so you have these other milestones, too. Like, I looked this up. Uh, the Dodgers hadn't signed a pre-free agency player to a multi-year contract since 
Clayton Kershaw in January 2014 when they gave him what was then a record uh, $215 million deal over seven years. That was what he was one year from free agency. This year we have two of those. Um, not not quite as uh, lucrative as Clayton Kershaw's deal, but understandably so. Max Muncy uh, signed a three-year, $26 million deal. Uh, that takes him through all three of his R beers, uh, plus a possible uh, club option for what would have been a free agent year. Chris Taylor signed a two-year deal, $13.4 million. Same thing, it takes him through his two remaining R beers. So, and like how this sort of affects the uh, salary cap. And like we talked about this before about Cody Bellinger, where this was back when we we're like, how can the Dodgers possibly get up to the, the luxury tax threshold if that's their sort of plan or whatever this before like Mookie Betts David Price became more of a reality um it was like well they could sign some of these people to extensions like uh, a Cody Bellinger extension would be like all the extensions would be like on, on an average annual value would be higher than what they get in 2020 but possibly saving long term uh and that's sort of what they did with these so like Max Muncy for instance like his his um salary submission for 2020 was I believe 4.6 something million. And now like his CBT number is 8.67 million. Same with Taylor. He was uh, 5.8 million had he won his case. Instead, his CBT number is 6.7 million because that's the average. So like that sort of adds to the CBT as well. Uh, my favorite like sort of mini part about this was, so Chris Taylor's contract is 5.6 million in 2020, 7.8 million in 2021. The lead for the Associated Press story on this mentions um, reaching a multi-year contract was like a dance routine, a five, six, seven, eight. Now that is a perfect sentence. <laughs> did you write that? Uh, no, I would. I, I, I wish You're not I allowed did. to say it because of, of yeah. contract reasons. But right. I know. They, they pay me under the table, and uh, no, <laughs> I was, I was like overjoyed with that. Okay, so then the other thing about the arbitration, <laughs> everyone gets to get their jokes out, including me. I think I joked at least twice. Um, naturally, the last person to get resolved had to be Pedro Baez, right? Because, like, that's – he takes the longest uh, in everything, so I get it. <laughs> he actually won his case. He gets $4 million this year uh, as opposed to three point five. So we, we mentioned this before in a previous Dodgers uh, Trulele podcast that he's the first Dodger to win an ARB case since Terry Adams in 2001. So Joe Bimel and Terry Adams gets pushed to the wayside this year uh, for some new uh, trivial things. But what does all this mean for the competitive balance tax? So the Dodgers are basically set like roster wise. I mean, look, there's they can obviously they have a bunch of guys they can option up and down and they can obviously sign them like um uh you know another player or whatever but they're basically set so i looked uh they're basically at like 220 million right now that accounts for the player benefit cost it accounts for um the money coming in from boston accounts the money going out to minnesota it accounts for minor leaguers on the 40-man roster throughout the season so like the the threshold this year is 208. So um yeah, so they're they're comfortably over and that's like we we were talking about it all winter like I don't know how they're going to do it, but they found a way to do it. So and like look that could obviously change with a deal, but uh it sounds like at least from 
there was a quote from Andrew Friedman, I believe, um, uh, after the the trades went down. Friedman was on MLB Network Radio, and he basically said like the same thing we were talking. We were talking about like, um, you know, Caston made the point that we were going to get to the luxury tax are over, and now we're pretty comfortably over. And I think he was even laughing about it. But it's like, so yeah, I think they're they're in that space now, and um, at like like that's what we've sort of talked about. So that that's where they're at. Um, but so back to uh, Chris Taylor. Okay, so I was looking at this. You know, I get a lot of texts from my brother. Um, I won't say which one, but he does. He's not a fan of Chris Taylor. He likes. I think he texts me roughly every Chris Taylor strikeout. You know, like I love some Chris Taylor. And, and so, like you, and you just look at it from a like a a very broad view. He's an above average hitter, all three full seasons with the Dodgers, and he's played like four to five positions very regularly. So I looked very this up. Well. Yes, very well. So, from 2017 to 2019, the last three years, the, he's the only player with 100 OPS plus in all three years while playing at least 10 games in at both center field and shortstop uh, each year. Nobody else did that more than one season. So, that's super versatile. He's also the only player with 100 OPS plus playing 10 or more games at second base and shortstop uh, the last two seasons. Or, I'm sorry, the last three seasons. However, there are um, five others that had two seasons. How many can you name, Jacob? And this is all of baseball? Yes, all of baseball. Okay. The last three years, uh, five players other than Chris Taylor had two seasons of 100 OPS plus playing both second base and shortstop, at least 10 games at both positions. So we're going to take a little early for normalists, but I want to make sure our audience has time to think of the answer. Make sure I have time to think of the answer, and we'll be back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay. I have, so I have a few guesses. I, I don't think I have five. I don't think I can name five. Yeah. Could be just like, yeah, you just have to, like, there's too many, I'm guessing, predominantly shortstops who fill in at second now and then. Uh, who like so? I just have to. I'm gonna basically be going thinking also, of second baseman and shortstops, where maybe there was an injury somewhere in the last year or two that they would have been more likely to fill in, and are above average hitters. Right, exactly. That's 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 the key. All right, so let's start. D Gordon. These are all these are all very good players. So like, okay. D Gordon is not one of the five. <sighs> that was a good guess. I, I, I don't think he played guess. enough shortstop to be honest. I haven't looked. The entire yeah. There's a bunch of these where I I am. I'm guessing a little bit. Uh, Carlos Correa. No, he he's basically been shortstop only. Yeah, I, my 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 hope was the sort of Altuve's injury time meant he kind of got to split some time. But I'll, I'll give you a hint, though you you you're you're on the right track with Correa, but just not Correa. Uh, so is it Bregman then? No. Okay. He didn't play second. 
He's played third and short. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm dancing around here. Um uh are any of these Dodgers other than Chris Taylor? No, Kike didn't make it because um one I believe one of his years was under 100 OPS plus or just didn't line it up the yeah. right way. Yeah, I, 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 I was wondering about that. Um I will give you the 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 hint I gave you. Yeah. Was a grooved fastball right down the middle. <laughs> uh, was it Jose Altuve? No, he's been second base only. That's what I got. That's what I thought. Um, uh, Trevor Story. Nope, shortstop only, pretty much. Then I give up. I tried. I liked okay. all my guesses. So the one hint I was giving you was Marvin Gonzalez. And if, uh, uh, yeah, and it was right over my head. I forget that game, Eric. I was there, yeah. and I don't think of it. Okay. Um, the other one who was like. In in hindsight, like I I didn't think of this originally when I was thinking about this before I looked it up, but like in hindsight, it's obvious. But Javier Baez, sure. Um, and then the um, Kettle Marte, who's been like sneakily good like the last few years. Um, Gliber Torres, um, and then the other one is Azdrubal Cabrera. Okay, all yeah. all names that I had kind of dabbled about, but I had to kind of commit on who I thought moved around the most and just didn't get there. Yeah, I didn't just say all the names, but a couple of those names I definitely thought about. And oh yeah, yeah, like you said, it, it's you were on the right track. You, you were. It was a good so. question, though. That, that was a, I had a lot of fun thinking about it uh, um, over the break. Yep. So now we're we're into our. This is going to be our first episode. I think that's like on time and not going grossly over. Yeah, we're we're looking. Uh, we're looking we're, yeah, we're we're fitting right into schedule. We're we're getting cl- like I said, we're all rounding into the regular season form, and uh, we're getting closer. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to. I'm wondering if the pun's going to come. Uh, the Dodgers rewind. To, who do we got? Okay. Uh, oh man, I guess. Uh, no, I I don't know where you're getting at, yeah. but I'll just <laughs> go in. So it has to do it again with Chris Taylor and versatility. Um. So I looked this up. Chris Taylor and Kiki Hernandez, both active on the Dodgers. They're they're two of only four players in Dodgers history to play 50 games or more at second, short, left field, and center field. Uh, Bill Russell, who came up as an outfielder and then essentially became uh, everyday shortstop, also makes it some time at second, obviously. He's the third. The fourth, uh, well, I guess the first of the four, was uh, someone named Jimmy Johnston. Um so like not not the NASCAR driver, not the, the, that, that not them the that was, yeah. you figured it out. Yeah. Okay. And so um Chris Taylor uh has a one oh two I'm sorry, Chris Taylor has a I think one twelve, if I'm not mistaken, OPS plus as a Dodger. Um I'm looking that up right now. This is very compelling live. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a one yeah, one twelve OPS plus as a Dodger. He has the highest OPS plus among those four. Jimmy Johnston is second with uh, 102. He had 10 years with the Dodgers, 1916 to 1925. Um, he started all seven uh, non-catcher pitcher positions for the Dodgers. He played in their first two World Series, um, 1916 to 1920. And like he, I believe, if I remember right, the games he started, he started at third base in one of the World Series and right field in the other one. So again, versatile player. He was the second Dodger to hit for the cycle and the first one to do it in the modern era because the first one was 1890. So May 25th, 1922 at the, at uh, Philadelphia, he hit for the cycle. Okay. Now this is another Jacob trivia question. Oh, good. <laughs> Jimmy I'm Johnson. so hot today. 
Jimmy Johnson holds the Dodger record for fewest strikeouts in a season with a minimum of 150 games. How many times did he strike out? Javier Baez. <laughs> oh, you got it again. Nailed yeah, it. there you go. See, I knew it. Um, oh. I want to. I will give you the year. It was 1923, so not not the dead ball era, but very close to it. Yeah. Um, but still, some some absurdly low strikeout totals in this. These, no, it these seems like no matter what, I always screw. Like I'm either laughably off one way or the other. Yeah. Because um, you know it's a record; it has to be a ridiculous number, but yeah. it might not be as ridiculous as I think. Thirty-two. <laughs> okay, I'll just tell you in, in Dodgers history. Yeah. Uh, 150 games. Um, 22 players have had fewer than 32 strikeouts in okay. a whole season. Fifteen. Um, Fifteen is the exact number. All right, there we go. Nice. Um, so after whiffing, you got it. So perfect. Um, no, so just, and I'm looking at this. Obviously, all a lot of these are like pre World War One. I'm mean, pre World War Two, uh, or or like uh, there's no one really truly modern under thirty except for Bill Buckner in 1976. He only struck out 26 times. So like, and yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking about. Like right, that 30 ish number was right right in that sweet spot for that just into the modern era, um, unless you're Tony Gwynn, and then very deep into the modern era. Uh, and I just didn't think it would get that ridiculous, but I'm happy it got there. You know, I get yeah, three first... strikes, so I I hit it on oh, one. Oh, I'm good. Yeah, you were you were perfectly fine. It w- I mean, to get it on the second try, that's impressive. Um, so back to Johnson for a second. He was kind of around for a lot of stuff. Like he played in the famous 26 inning game. He was one of seven Dodgers to play all 26 innings, and of course, including the pitcher, which makes that ridiculous. That was May 1st, 1920. But what was most compelling to me about Jimmy Johnson's career, I would argue, like, I haven't looked this up, like, for other players, but it seems like he had the hottest week in baseball history. It was June 1923. Uh, He had six straight games with at least three hits. There's only been two other people to ever do this in baseball history. One was Sam Thompson in 1895. The other was George Brett in 1976. Think of that. Six consecutive games with at least three hits. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I look, So baseball reference doesn't have game logs for uh, like uh, pre-1910 or 08, depending on who you sort of look up. So Sam, Sam Thompson, I'm not exactly sure of his game logs for 1895. I can tell you George Brett. Uh, was 18 for 26 in his streak. So all his six games were exactly three hits. He hit 692. That's a ridiculous uh, number. Jimmy Johnston with the Dodgers from June 24th to 30th, it was a single game against the Braves and then five at Philadelphia playing the Phillies. <laughs> he was 23 for 28. <laughs> uh, he, that's, he hit 821. 821, that, that's not his OPS. That's his batting average. And not to, like in those six games, seven doubles, two home runs, a triple, and four walks. I, I defy you to find someone who had a hotter streak than that. Twenty-three for twenty-eight. That's crazy. <laughs> like that's that's a month's worth of hits almost. So the last the, the last day was a doubleheader. Um, in the first game, he was four for five with two doubles and a homer. In the second game, he was four for four with a double and a walk. So like. What a what a stud! Like just a crazy, the craziest hot streak I've ever seen, and all from like uh, sort of the pre Chris Taylor, Chris Taylor, a century before Chris Taylor. No, 
You know what? We don't have questions from Chris Taylor. We do have questions from... Questions from Craig. It's going to be kind of screwed up. It's going to say questions from questions from Craig. And I don't care. I'm okay with it. All right. We got five questions. You ready? Yep. Looking back at Dodger trades for players on the verge of free agency, my question, did the Dodgers give up more in the deal for Mookie Betts than they did for Sean Green in 1999? So I'm going to have to defer to you here because I, I was a Dodger fan around this time, but like, and I remember being heartbroken that where I were like, I remember being very confused at a game at why people were booing Raul Mondesi. Yeah. And it was explained to me. And then he was gone, and I was really sad because I had kind of gotten used to that. Um, but then I really liked Sean Green. So these were very, at a very youthful fan's appreciation for that trade. Um, and I probably didn't even realize it was a trade. I just noticed, hey, this guy is gone and this new guy is here. So well, what, what do you think? They also did that in the offseason, but all, it, what it stemmed from the year before. And this, remember, uh, so 98, uh, new, this is new Fox ownership. So you basically have, uh, corporate execs running the front office rather than baseball people. And there was like, they're not going to, they're not going to be able to sign Piazza in free agency or whatever. So we have to trade him. And then that sort of sets that thing off the next year. Mondesi sort of gets disgruntled and like um, there were, I remember looking this up and this is one of my favorite groupings of words in, in history is <laughs> pro- profanity laced tirade. And uh, he had one of those um, and de- demanded, yeah, demanded <laughs> to be traded. And then they sort of acquiesced once the off season hit that said, like looking back on this trade, it was like a perfect trade for the Dodgers in that, they got like the best years of Mondesi and then traded him for Sean yeah, Green. Yeah, that was the other thing the when, I, years of Sean Green. when I kind of looked it up and I'm like, and that's why I asked for you is I can think of this in hindsight and go, wow, yes. this was great. But I'm trying to think of like how it was looked upon at the time. So it there's a, it's just weird to compare that. It's, I was, I actually forgot that. Um, so Sean Green was a year away from free agency, just like Mookie Betts. There were some ancillary players in the deer. Pedro Borbon went to the Blue Jays as well from the Dodgers, lefty reliever. Um, but, like, it's a little different because – so, okay, so I think on one hand, like, you know, you could argue future value. Um, the five years of Verdugo is worth something. We forgot to mention in the deal, like, uh, speaking of medicals, um, this actually never came out officially with the Dodgers. We knew Verdugo was probably going to be delayed – to start the season because of back issues, but we didn't realize that he has a, Oh, what was it? Is it a fracture? No. Uh, he has something going on in his back to where he's not going to be ready for the Red Sox. So, so imagine like all the ire from Red Sox fans are like, we traded for a, a broken outfielder and like, uh, and then these pro- and then a shortstop named Jeter. So like they're, they're not happy right now, but, um, there's value in that. There's value in Jeter Downs. There's value in Connor Wong. And there's value in Verdugo. But a lot of that is like Verdugo has actually shown it at the major league level. But then again, is he is he just going to have back issues? Is he going to be able to sort of realize that potential? So there's risk there. With Mondesi, um, he was signed – the Dodgers signed him to a four-year deal that had two option years. And they had uh, – there were two years left on the deal when they traded him. So they're – but what made this weird is to, to basically consummate the deal. Um, the Dodgers uh, had to agree to an extension with Sean Green, which they did. 
uh, actually six years, 84 million with green, which was at the time, it was the fifth uh, largest contract in baseball history. Uh, and one the top one at that point was signed like a couple months earlier when Kevin Brown signed with the Dodgers. So like, um, it was a very weird time in baseball. It was one of those like blow up periods where it started getting, the numbers started getting wild. Um, so 684, but then also uh, as part of the deal, Mondesi, um, the Blue Jays made the two option years guaranteed. So it was essentially four years of Mondesi for six years of Sean Green. So like that makes it different. But th- so, but if we just look at it from a base level without the extensions, um, you're, you're giving up two years of like all-star-ish caliber Mondesi, even though he didn't have as good of a year in 99 um, for one year of green. So like I want, like I want to say yes, they gave up more, but it's probably from a future value standpoint, it's it's not. But it's also very hard to compare because both deals, like the deal wouldn't have happened if the Dodgers weren't able to come to a contract agreement with Green. So like, it's a very different deal. But that said, um, I would probably lean toward this one giving up more value, and just because of the potential of at least one of those three players hitting. Um, not and not. I don't mean like hitting in the baseball sense. I mean like um, performing basically for the Red Sox. Since 2015, the Dodgers have had at least seven players with 400 plate appearances each season. In 2018, they had nine players with 400 or more. This year could be the most regular lineup the Dodgers have had in a while. How many players this year will have 400 plate appearances or more? And name them. <sighs> So I was thinking about this. Um, I I want to just I, I I was trying to, to figure out who's going to sneak in there and get one, but honestly, I think it's just going to be the I'm going to I'm going to go simple and say eight, and it's the it's basically the the seven yes. like pen, penciled in starters and Jock Peterson mm-hmm. um, because like I it sounds like basically Peterson and Pollock are going to split time. But that basically just means Pollock's going to get hurt at some point, and then yeah. Peterson's <laughs> going to play a lot. So, like, uh, I think that's what happens. I there's got to be a way where one or I think one of Kike and Taylor is also going to hit 400 or get 400 plate appearances. I mean, but um, I don't want to commit to that. I think this year is more regular. Like when you have Betts, Bellinger, you you have a presumably healthy Seager, you have a, a more established Muncie, you still have Turner. Uh, I just think it's going to be harder for those guys to get more bets. They're going to be contributors, but probably in the 300 plate appearance level, I would imagine. So I think I'm just going to stick with those eight for now. Yeah, I'm torn here because I basically agreed with everything you said, but I really do think the Dodgers you know, there, there's a, the line, we'll have options, we'll travel, uh, have positional flexibility, we'll find you in. So I almost want to raise that number. But I also think, you know, if they're willing to ship Jock Peterson off, you know, two weeks ago, uh, they have to be willing to do so sometime either during spring training or anywhere in the year to improve whatever holes they see fit. So I almost don't want to count Jock in that number. So I'm going to, I will... I will also say eight, but I'm going to add Chris Taylor and not have uh, Jock Peterson on my list. I can see that. What if it's like um, it's it's eight, including Peterson, but Peterson gets he has like 22 home runs on July 28th, 
but Andy has 401 plate appearances, and then they, <laughs> and then they trade him. So then, and then somehow uh, Pollock sneaks in and also gets 407 plate appearances by the end of the season. So I think we're both going to be under. Probably. Yeah. The four major individual regular season awards are MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and Manager of the Year. Of those four awards, which one will a Dodger finish the best in, and who will the individual be that fin- finishes closest? Or wins? so, so the like the the one my you know I thought of first was MVP, and with with you know you have the reigning National League MVP Bellinger, you have Mookie Betts um, coming to um, you know. Potentially, yeah, right, yeah. So, like, those two are gonna like finish, I think, very high in MVP voting. But then, I the more I thought about it, Gavin Lux is gonna win rookie of the year. <laughs> so, like, I he I, he's my pick to finish the highest. I think he's gonna win. I was looking at the like sort of the candidates. He's uh, way he, he's the highest like prospect. He's like consensus top five. I think like Wander Franco is pretty much like number one or close to it on the most of those. But like he's in the American League, but but um, he's higher than any higher prospect ranked than any other like sort of contenders. The only one who's like I could think of immediately that's sure going to get regular playing time is Carter Kiboom with the Nationals, and who are obviously looking to fill Rendon. They've signed a bunch of like um, infielders to like sort of um, mix and match stuff, but I think he's going to get a good shot to play a lot of third, and he's normally a second base or a shortstop second baseman, so going to be good defensively, and that'll sort of let him play. Uh, but yeah, I think Lux, man, he's going to be given the opportunity and I think he's going to be very good. So I think he's going to win rookie of the year. And then if you have me rank him after that, I would say Betts, then Bellinger, uh, in terms of finishing higher in MVP voting, but, and then not sure about Cy Young, but Bueller's probably the one I would go with, but probably below those three. Um, teams that have expectations never win manager of the year. That's just the way it works. Yeah, I guess unless you never know. There, it, all it takes is a narrative. Like, like if we mention like um, if like a, if a bunch of dudes get hurt and then like the Dodgers still win sure. like 105 games, be like, man, what a year! What a year by Dave Roberts. Yeah, you but know, I, so I feel like the narrative year, is already storied in the Dodgers' depth that it just won't happen. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think he's going to win that. Between now and the start of Major League Baseball regular season, will you watch more NBA, NHL, college basketball? Spring training or some other sport? It's not going to be spring training. <laughs> I, I will. I'll. I'll. To, I'll have spring training on in the background. They're airing a bunch of them. Well, the yeah. Well, for the Dodgers, um, Sports NLA has they they have at least a game a day. Uh, I, I there might the, on all the day, all the days they have games. Uh, there's a couple split spots, split, split squads, but they they're going to televise one of the games. But yeah, so like MLB TV. Yeah, there's no blackouts in spring training. So like um, it's, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of baseball on in the background, but it's more in the background. I think actually watching the games for me, it's probably going to be college basketball only because I'll watch a bunch of NBA games between now and then. But like it's not the playoffs yet, but college basketball before the season starts, you get all of March Madness. Yeah, so yeah, it's going to be so gotta, concentrated. Are we talking days? Are we talking games? I think games. All right, then yeah, I might be with you there. I would like 
in days, if we're just talking days, it might be spring training for me. But I I count light background because I I um live I came into city for five more days before I moved to Lawrence, Kansas, mm-hmm. and so and later this year I will be becoming a father. So I, I my ability to watch Dodger games might go down because they start at nine o'clock most of the, most days here this year. So daytime Dodger baseball, and I understand there will be some nighttime uh, spring training games as well. But when they're during the day, there's nothing better for me um, to you know get some work done while having a little bit of the baseball in the background, but still paying attention. So I'm going to count spring training because that's what I I think that counts. I for me, I still think it's going to be college basketball. Um, maybe I'm giving my attention span too much um, credit here in that. Like, I know I'll have baseball on, but I just, I, I can't see my, other than like specific Dodger stuff, I'm not going to be really paying attention to it. Like, well, I guess the, the thing is like uh, something I won't have on mute. Like I, I watch a lot of stuff on mute. Like if oh. I'm listening to a podcast or whatever. So like, but if it's like March Madness, I'll, I'll have like the games on and be listening sure. to them and watching them. So I, I still am going with college basketball by my own narrowly defined <laughs> rules, but yeah, it's going to be probably close. According to one story I read, Mookie Betts likes any dessert with strawberries. So already just a, a complete winner. I like it. So with that knowledge, what is the best strawberry themed dessert? Did you remove his, I did. Uh, Okay. I did because he didn't list the best one, and I well, was offended by it. I, I was gonna, yeah. So I will say this: I, I like, I guess I'm the one that Craig listed uh-huh. that I that was like good to me was like just basically like a cheesecake yeah, with strawberries. That's, fine. that's that's perfect, right? But like for me, like I guess I never <laughs> strawberry shortcake was probably the one I had the most growing yeah. up. Yeah, but like, uh, and that's really good. You you know. Um, so I, it's from a, from a nostalgic standpoint, it's probably that. But like everything else is like, unless the ice cream has chunks of strawberry in it. Like for me, strawberry is like my default ice cream flavor. Mint chip is it might be my favorite, but it's like if it's if it's not, it's strawberry. They're like that close. Mm-hmm. But like so, it's probably just having ice cream. Like, but like strawberry shortcake. If if it's we're talking like actual strawberries, that's that's like like a perfect fun dessert. Strawberries with angel food cake is my answer. Which is and like which is just like let's let's say it's like I think a, it's uh, different enough. It's a play. Yeah, <laughs> that's, it's fair. Gourmet, that's fair. Yeah, it, no, it's a gourmetization of. Uh, I don't know okay. angel food cake. I had grown up. Sorry, mom was was store bought. You know, well, yeah, I well, would not. It, I'm not sure if I would. I again, I'm calling it the best dessert. It was delicious. I wouldn't call. I don't know if I would call it gourmet. I will say this. Uh, I think every sh- strawberry shortcake I had was those grocery store two packs yeah uh, where you just open the thing and it's it's like a uh, a molded um like twinkie without a filling yeah. and then you put <laughs> strawberries in it over it and you you pour a little bit of milk and so then that, that no that's perfection. fair and and to before i get such an angry text we did we did we did those for sure but we yeah. also got like to your credit the gourmet from a baker like Ooh. sort of a bunt cake almost shaped Angel food cake, um, and though yeah, the and a little bit more, little less spongy, a little bit more sort of decadent and delicious. I'm trying to think. I think I've had this at one point. Uh, I'm sending you a picture. Actually, mixing in 
strawberries into the batter for yeah. waffle. Oh yeah. That's wonderful. But then that just made me think of, um, I think my brother did this a couple of times where he, instead of strawberries, he just put, I think it was a Christmas morning thing. Uh, he put bacon in the batter and <laughs> which made the greatest waffles of all time. So mm-hmm. like, but we're talking strawberries here. So that's, that's a different subject, but yeah. Um, it's weird. Like how little, like I will put strawberries. Uh, I literally just went to the farmer's market last weekend and bought like, like three little, I don't know exactly how many strawberries it was, but it was like three bushels of them or like three little packs <laughs> and they were, they were delicious. And like, I'll find myself, I find my, I found myself just eating those by themselves a lot, mostly because I had so many strawberries. I'm like, I have to eat these, but what I'll do is I don't eat a lot of cereal, but sometimes I will buy cereal just because I want something to consume my strawberries with. And if it's not oatmeal, uh, putting them on the oatmeal, uh, I'll put them in cereal. Um, but yeah, or, uh, and less so like on a salad, but like, yeah, but the strawberries are wonderful. It's just like, I'm, I guess I need to figure out more ways to eat them. Well, that's this episode. Did you see the, uh, Mookie Betts PR tweet? Yeah. The, the, was was, uh, uh, Showtime. That's yeah. what he said. It was yeah. great. I got it's, hyped. uh, I got hyped. It, we're, we're still more than a month away from the season, but man, it is, this is so real now. Like mm-hmm. this is becoming, the season's going to be kind of amazing. Like just the, from an expectations level, from an excitement level. Schadenfreude level, watching everybody boo the Astros. <laughs> it's it's going to be crazy. And like I said, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about Astros stuff uh, as we as we closer, especially as more stuff happens. But until then, uh, spring training games will, will have started by the time we record next. So, uh, Jacob, enjoy your new house. Mm-hmm. Enjoy uh, spring training starting and enjoy everybody listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. 